Um, I think Jesus is really excited that we're here in one place together this morning because I think he has something to say to me and to you. Yeah. And all that he asks of us is that we, we come ready to receive. Yeah. Um, you may notice from my accent that I'm not from round here. Yeah. I'm from New Haven. <laughs> no, I'm <a> <laughs> Um, my wife, Caroline, and our two children, Amelia and Alexander, we moved here in January last year from... Can you guess where? If you know already, don't say anything if I've told... Can you guess where the accent is from? From England. From the northwest of England. If you were looking at the map of England, you'd see Manchester, and then you'd see in the northwest a county called Cumbria, which is the last county on the left before you get to Scotland. Um, so we and we are working with um, a ministry that was, was that was effectively birthed out of Calvary Chapel in Uncasville called Faith to Faith Ministries. Now you may have remembered a chap probably about eight or nine months ago called Tommy Ashiro, who came and spoke here. Does anyone remember him? Okay, I'll tell him that there was six, and uh, I will. I'll be excited to do that. And. Um, and when, when Tom came here last time, he talked about there was a prayer need for me and my family. This isn't part of the message, it's just um, about housing. And the house that we were moving, moving into fell, fell away and we had kind of like six days. And it looked like we were returning back to England. And then, lo and behold, Pastor Joe from Calvary said, I didn't realise, but I have an empty house. It's a long story, but effectively, overnight, the Lord turned things around. And he's been so faithful. And those of you who are here who heard Tom share some of that story and prayed, um, I want to say thank you on behalf of me and my family. It, it, was, it was literally, it looks like we're going back to England, but the Lord has other plans, yeah. The Lord has other plans. And so today... Um, I want to talk about fear. Okay? Now you're thinking, oh really? I could have just stayed at home. Do we have to talk about fear? Can we not talk about love? Can we not talk about grace, joy, peace? Do we have to talk about fear? I think it's important. Yeah? You have nothing to fear. So, who among us will not fear bad news? Um, you know, whether it's a, a letter or we get an email or a telephone call or we see something happening and it's bad news. We all have a reaction to bad news, don't we? Yeah, I think that's safe to say. I was over in, um, in Portland, Oregon at the turn of this year in January. And you'll have all had something like this happen to you when you get the email, dear, and it said, dear Armin, bad news. And it was from my sister telling me that my dad had been diagnosed with dementia. And you just know it, don't you? It says your name and then there's a bad news and then it comes and it hits you emotionally. Yeah? It hits you emotionally and we can find ourselves on our back foot. And it's interesting, as I was preparing this sermon... Um, I was having a terrible week as I was preparing it. And, and you know how mostly it's men were just really slow on the uptake. And by Thursday or Friday of the week, it was like, 
oh yeah I'm preaching on conquering fear because every fear and new ones <laughs> came and found me out even driving down here today I was, my mind was starting to wonder if I didn't stay in a place of worshipping the Lord my mind started to wonder and I was thinking about the unknowns that are happening this year and the year after and how's that going to work out and your mind just starts to go on this downward spiral and before you know it fear's gripped you in your heart and it's like hold on a minute I recognize this now and I'm praying that that mechanism that used to be with me it would be a number of weeks or months before I recognized it that happened in a few moments or minutes on my journey down here I pray not through me but through what the Lord wants to do this morning amongst you that you recognize it for what it is and then stand in the name of Jesus against it because he hasn't come to give us a spirit of fear and I believe that in this day and age and in this time if we're not careful the church can be so fearful so fearful it's interesting in Romans 8 37 to 39 it says knowing all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I'm sure that neither life, death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the Apostle Paul is saying that Christians are not just conquerors. Christians are more than conquerors. That's the kind of the imagery of... You know, in most American sports, when a game's won, someone gets put on a shoulder somewhere, don't they? That's the more than a con. You've not just won, you're being held and lifted up. And I think sometimes it's more of a should, would, or could for us. You know, we maybe are more than a conqueror in our walk. We, we could, could be. Yeah, I understand we should be more than conquerors, but in the scripture it says that we are. That is the ultimate reality, not maybe. But we are more than conquerors. And the world needs you and I to be more than conquerors because it needs to see a way past all the things that are going on. And that you and I have all the power and all the resources of heaven released to us here, now, in this place, in order to live a life that represents God without fear. We should only fear one thing, and that's Him and displeasing Him. So fear is a major subject in the scriptures. And I believe that God anticipated that we would be fearful and therefore gave us keys in order to walk in boldness. So there are a lot of things that we can fear, aren't there? The news constantly reminds us to be afraid. You know, I'm kind of... We're going back to England um, in, in August to, to visit family. And, and you know this, this flight, the Malaysia flight, that's just... I'm kind of thinking, I'm not going to tell my son about this flight that disappeared because he'll just be twitching all the way. And, 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 you know, we switch on the news and immediately there's things to be fearful of. Or is that just me? There are things to be fearful of. 
And fear can motivate and paralyze us at the same time and drives us to self-protection and ultimately can hinder our walk with God. So what are the things that we can fear? This is a bit of an interactive time here. What are the different things that we can fear? Death of a loved one, absolutely. Yeah, anyone else? Death, yeah. Yeah, anything else? Changes, absolutely, yeah. We tend not to cope with change well, do we? (laughs) Anything else that we can be fearful of? Safety of our children, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so people's expectations, not measuring up, yeah, absolutely. Can fear losing our job, we can fear financial hardship, yeah. Sorry? natural disasters yeah so I I kind of started to write a list and some of these are in here Um, I wouldn't encourage you to write a long list of the things you fear but yeah like natural catastrophes earthquakes, tornadoes fear of strangers fear of large crowds fear of speaking in front of a group of people there's even something called a a phobophobia or sorry a phobophobia which is a Guess what? A fear of fear. I mean, imagine that. I'm, I'm afraid of being afraid. <laughs> so what is, um, you know, there's a fear of loneliness, fear of illness, fear of getting older. Some people fear rejection, as we said. But what is the root cause of all of this fear? We need to go all the way back to our first family, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. And there we'll see where fear was born. So I'll just read it out. In Genesis chapter 3, okay, verses 8 to 10. And it's interesting, because I was studying this, I hadn't really seen it before, so... Genesis 3 verse 8 to 10 And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day I just love that imagery And the man and his wife sadly hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden But the Lord God called to the man and said to him Where are you? And he said I heard the sound of you in the garden And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself and I was afraid fear originates from sin before that first sin the word fear was not in Adam and Eve's vocabulary no reference but as soon as they sinned against God fear was born and you and I have been dealing with it ever since I think it's safe to say, broadly, that we can be characterised more by our fears rather than our faith. Okay? Um, An author called Jack Handy, um, in his book Fuzzy Memories, writes about a bully who demanded his lunch money every day. And since he was smaller, he said he just gave him the money. Then he decided to fight back. 
So he started to take karate lessons. And one day, the guy that was teaching him karate said, you're going to have to start paying me $5 for the lessons now, I'm sorry. So Jack said, he made a decision, and he just went back to paying the bully. And you know, too many, too many of us feel it's easier to just pay the bully than to learn how to conquer him. Fear hits us, we ride it out, we get on with life. Six weeks later, fear hits us, we ride it out, we get on with life. And we have this cycle of fear in our lives and we just ride it out. Here's a question. Is that what Jesus died for? Can I hear an answer? (laughs) I don't believe it is. I don't believe for one moment he died so that we can just keep on paying the bully and be hostage to fear. Yeah? We are more than conquerors, not a hostage to fear. There's this phrase, and I, I think it's a concoction of something that somebody else and somebody else said but I want you to hear this anyone can curse the darkness but it takes a little bit more character to strike a match and to light a candle anyone can curse the darkness anyone can say I'm afraid and in some cases that's a good thing to say I'm afraid it's an acknowledgement of our lack and our need but it doesn't stop there It takes a bit more character to stand, to light the match, and to light the candle and bring some material difference into that situation. My fear is that too many of us are living in prisons without bars because fear holds us. And sometimes we get a bit of day release, but generally we live in that prison. I've read somewhere, and maybe someone will say to me, that's not in the Bible, but I think it is. Um, If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Let's start living the truth of that out. Yeah? Let's start living the truth of that out. So, today we're going to look at um, Isaiah 41, and we're going to look at verses 8 through to 10, but I just want to give you a little bit of a context of what it is that, um, of why we arrive at verses 8 to 10. So if you can open Isaiah 41 and then. So in the first seven verses, God is speaking to all of the countries who do not follow the one true God. Okay? And he's speaking to the, to the pe- people who are not believers in God and in the God of the Bible. And in verses 1 to 7, God makes the case that it is He who is in control of all things, and that there is no other God. 
The people of the other lands make their own gods by crafting idols to worship, but they are no gods at all. Then in verse 8, God contrasts the people who do not follow him with the people who do follow him, the Israelites. So he's doing a contrast. He's saying, this is what it looks like if you don't follow me. You're investing your life in gods, in things that ultimately will not satisfy, will not look after you, that do not love you, that only do one thing, which is demand of you. But this is what my people look like. And this is how my people should be identified. And he goes on in verse in verse 8 and it reads, I think I'm reading from the ESV. Um, verse 8, But you, Israel, are my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest regions and said to you, You are my servant, I have chosen you and have not cast you away. And then verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand and that's where our focus is today in that verse and if you were going to spend this week memorizing a verse I would say memorize that verse yeah because it's so full of, a, of promise and direction from God I will read it again fear not for I am with you be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Okay? So there's two commands in there. Not to fear and be not dismayed. So there's two commands. It's important that we understand that. They're not optional extras. They are commands. And as always in the Bible, there are reasons for the commands. Commands don't hang in the air with no basis in reality. If God commands us to do something, there are good reasons to do it. And power comes from understanding and believing those reasons. And the reasons that we'll explore as we kind of break it down a little bit more are, effectively, God is saying to you, I am with you, I am your God, I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you. And if we restate that in a personalized way, God, we could say, God is with me, God is my God, God will strengthen me, God will help me, God will uphold me. I'm going to say that again. So if we personalize that and it's something that we're declaring, God is with me, God is my God, God will strengthen me, God will help me, God will uphold me. Therefore, do not fear do not fear. So let's break that down. We'll look at the two commands first. So firstly, I want you to be encouraged by the presence of God. Fear not, for I am with you. Yeah? Fear not, for I am with you. Now, I, I want you to see this whole, the rest of this message being a conversation between you and God. Okay? Don't think about the people next to you. This is something that God is saying directly to you in this place. This is a word for you in this place today, in the here and now, in your circumstance, in your situation, in all the things that are going on in your mind and in your life and in your body. God is speaking to you directly. I want you to hear that. 
fear not for I am with you that is a wonderful statement the Bible here is dealing with the doctrine of what fear not for I am with you what is that the doctrine of omnipresence omnipresence the teaching that God is with us wherever we go there is no place that you can go that God is not there with you he is with you always therefore you need not fear now I remember when I was um, I'd have been about 21, 22 about 6 or 7 years ago alright 8 eight or 9 years ago <laughs> maybe a little bit more so I remember I was um, I attended a, a pastor's gathering and I was um, really nervous going to this and you know all these godly men there's about you know 10-15 sitting around the table and and they did that thing where you all have to share something and you know you're doing that countdown it's like creeping it's like really do I have to I just want to sit quietly here five people to me four people to me now now it's three and your heart rate's going up and you're kind of thinking and we had to share about things that we were afraid of or challenges that we we faced at that time and so in my mind I'd kind of quickly formulated something that I wanted to say but I was kind of nervous and I didn't really want to say anything and two pastors away from me because you know what it's like with pastors when they say this is my final thought and then another 20 minutes passes yeah um, I know this isn't you brother I'm sure it isn't I, I'm going to do it shortly so um, so two people away from me time ran out so I was like mixed I was like you know you get yourself up for it you're like and then oh well I oh thankfully oh, but I had some and then one of the pastors said oh before we go I want this young young chap to say something and I was like oh, and then all eyes are on me and I'm like okay and and then the presence of God filled the place and I said these two things I said my my biggest fears were that I would not fulfill the will of God in my life because I want that day to happen where he says well done (laughs) well done my good and faithful servant I've been preparing I know it's not exactly what it says in the scripture I've been preparing a place for you you're going to really 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 like it (laughs) I want to hear those words because any other words are not good news yeah so that was the first thing that I was saying the second thing that I said was that I was afraid of being alone at that time there wasn't an English rose on my horizon and I was fearful of what the future might hold and, and it's not good for man to be alone and so I shared those and so the senior pastor said to a couple of the other pastors um, can you guys pray with Raman to what he's just shared there and as God is my witness the, the prayer wasn't kind of you know there wasn't a flashing light we didn't hear thunder there wasn't something materially happen, happening around us but from that day I have known the manifest presence of God with me every moment of the day and the best way I can describe it to you because I forget about his presence with me but the best way I can describe it is is if I had a balloon and I just pressed it against my face gently it's not invasive it's just like gently pressed against my face and, and that's what it's like and it's there now 
and I and I forget that he's with me but every time I recall that moment I can feel his presence so the Lord knew that I need to know his presence tangibly fear not for I am with you and who am I if you don't know his presence tangibly do you know what you should do ask <laughs> ask ask him to tangibly be present in your life rather than having to imagine and persuade yourself that he is I don't believe he wants to withhold any good thing from us and for me that's been the strength of my life from that day on fear not for I am with you I remember when um, we went, were going through the visa process which took two or three years for us to move over to America and my son Alex is 12 years old now but at the time he would have been 8 or 9 and I remember saying to him one night as I was um, putting him to bed I asked him about uh, how he felt about us moving to America because there was times where for him it was a very scary thing and an intimidating thing such a huge country we're just and you're like and and you know all that he knew about America was Nickelodeon which no which isn't accurate um, <laughs> but I, I remember him saying to me um, dad when, when, when we move to America can you promise me this I said, what is it Alex anything wherever we go will you hold my hand and that's a picture of the father's heart towards you and I he wants to hold our hands do we want to hold his wherever we go because he wants to be with us he wants to be with us fear not so this command fear not yeah it's a command is that clear it's a command from Jesus to you and I today saying whatever you're facing fear not I command you don't be afraid for I'm with you and if I'm with you who can be against you fear not for I am with you and then the second command the second command be not dismayed be encouraged by the power of God because of the second command be not dismayed for I am your God so the word dismayed there, when we break it down, means to look around anxiously and to wander around fretting. Okay? So it's not like, it's sort of, you know, what, what do I do? That, that thing hits us emotionally right. What do I do? Who do I form? Where do I go? What do I do? And it's that sense of like a spinning top. What, what, uh, um, right, I need to figure this out. Right, what do I need to do now in order to sort this, this thing out that's hit me in my emotion, this fear that is encapsulating my mind. And it's that sense of a spinning top. And looking around anxiously in fear. So God is saying, do not be afraid and don't run around anxiously when something comes up against you. Okay? I remember um, Alex is going to be using a few illustrations today. So I, my son, he was, he was 18 months old. And um, we call them nappies in England. You call them diapers. Okay? And I'm doing everything I can to withhold my English statements and words and not call it trash but call it rubbish call it a 
uh, a pavement and not a sidewalk. Or, you know all this. You know what I mean. But anyway, so we use we use nappies, and um, Alex is 18 months old at this time, and I'm in his bedroom trying to change him. So he's naked, and he's got half a sock on, and he's just running around the room. Okay, <laughs> and it's like Alex, come back. So he'd come back. We've got the sock on results, and then and then he dashes off again. And you know what it's like when kids just start to walk. Talk about fear for their safety. <laughs> Everything is open season. So he's running around, he comes back, and then we get another sock on. And then I'm trying to put this nappy on him. And at this point, my kind of grace levels are being extended to there. You know, it felt like a long time, yeah. And, um, and I, 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 I said his name quite sharply and sort of semi loudly. I said, Alex! And then I said these words, and, and I was stopped in my own tracks at this point. And I said, how can daddy change you if you keep running around? And all of a sudden, the room just went still. Alex was still doing this. But it was a moment between me and God. And he was saying to me, and as I've reflected on it more... How can I strengthen you if you keep running around? How can I give you confidence and heal you and bless you and do my sovereign work in your heart and in your mind and do all those things that I have for you if all you're doing is running around? And I just was convicted in my own heart at that time because I'd got things mixed up. I thought that my acts of service... And my doing for Jesus was my sign of devotion for him. When actually, he just wants to spend time with me. Yeah? He wants to know me. And you know what? If our, if our serve, serving in the church and our act of devotion and what we do for Jesus is our primary focus, what happens is we get dry, we get burnt out, we get frustrated and we start going, well, they're not doing it. And they're not doing what they should do. Rather than it being something that flows out of a relationship with Jesus. Yeah? So our service shouldn't be the first and foremost. Our relationship with him should be the first and foremost. But how can we have a relationship with him if we're not still? If we are hit with things and we're dismayed and we're running around. Do, do, do. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I think that we we have an enemy that wants to kind of energize us and cause us to be busy, 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 running around, running around, doing, figuring things out. Scripture says very clearly, be still and know that I am God. And often we decide to be still when we're at the end of ourselves. Yeah, I'm spent. I've done everything I can. I've tried all of the things that I can. Lord, help. Please help. And we are finally still. And it's a good job you and I are not in charge of all created things seen and unseen. Because you and I go, hold on a minute. Am I like 8th or ninth on your list of people to turn to to help in this? 
Really? My, uh, we, we, we'd maybe do that. You know, I've phoned a load of people for help and then I've come to you. But because he's full of grace and mercy and he loves us with an everlasting love, he's just glad that we've come. He's just glad that we've come to him finally. But it doesn't need to be like that. It doesn't need to be like that. So their commands, don't run around like headless chicken. You won't find that in the Bible, but you know what I mean. Don't run around, don't be dismayed, and don't fear their commands. And there's something there, something there for us to take hold of. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator of all things, seen and unseen, who is with you, is saying to you, do not be afraid. Don't be dismayed. I'm with you. So, the verse that we're focusing on today starts with two commands and then it followed by three promises. So the first of those promises, or the third point as it were, was that Jesus in his commands, he has the two, and then he follows it by saying, if you do these things, I will, I will strengthen you. And each of these statements start with I will. Now, He's the only one that's qualified to say, I will, and he will. (laughs) How many of you have said, I will? And how many of you have been told, I will, and been let down? Or been the letting downer kind of person? (laughs) Yeah? We're human, we're fallible, we make mistakes, we overextend ourselves, we make promises that we are unable to keep because of a whole raft of different excuses. You know, we have a flat tyre. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one that says, I will, and we can take that to the bank. Yeah? So these next three statements all begin with, I will. Yeah? So firstly, I will strengthen you. I will strengthen you. When fear hits us, Jesus says, I will strengthen you. So the story, there was a violent thunderstorm one summer evening when a mother was tucking her small boy into bed. She was about to turn the light out when the little boy asked what mothers all over the world will have heard. In a trembling voice, the boy says, Mummy, will you sleep in my bed tonight? The mother smiled and gave a reassuring hug and said, I can't. Mummy is going to sleep in Daddy's bed tonight. The boy frowned and said, He's a big sissy. (laughs) God, God promises. He says, I will. I will strengthen you in the moment that fear hits you. I will strengthen you to deal with that. I will strengthen you to stand in that moment. Secondly, he says, I will help you. God promises to help you. Yes, I will help you. There is something there about us depending on him. Okay? Like I said earlier on, we often look to our own resources and then come to him and ask him for help. I remember when um, I I was at school and I started to get a stomach ache. 
and it would have been about 11.30 in the morning and I only lived about 250 yards away from school I was just around the corner and um, when I said to the teacher I said miss miss I've got a sore stomach I need to go home I don't think she was fully convinced of my motivations at that point and she said no 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 just just stay it's only half an hour until lunchtime five minutes later miss miss I need to go home and she's like it's just another 20-25 minutes just wait and I think I just beat her down it's like miss me right okay you can go I did have stomach ache incidentally and and as I made my way out of school um, I remember it now I turned left and then it was a, a right turn and then a left turn and there would be my home so I took the left took her right and I started to double over in pain really you know it was men pathetic sight I would have been with my stomach ache and there I was leaning against the wall like this I remember these two girls walking past me and kind of looking at me it's like what is going on with him and it was this real dramatic moment uh, probably anyway so I said excuse me and they said yeah I said can you get my dad? I live in 10 Rally Street. Just get my dad. So I, all right, okay then. And they kind of went away quite quickly. And I just, you know, this just in my memory now, because it was a few years ago, I was like fading into unconsciousness at this moment. <laughs> Honest. And, and I just remember leaning against the wall and looking up and seeing my dad come round the corner. And he ran so fast towards me and he picked me up and he said Ramin it's okay you're going to be alright and I have no recollection of any stomach ache after that moment I don't remember anything about it apart from the fact that my dad took me in his arms he comforted me and he took me all the way home that is the heart of God towards you and I in this place today Why would we deny ourselves that? In our self-sufficiency, in our ability to figure this out and to... You know, there comes a point where we just say, Dad, I need you to carry me. And he's there. No hesitation. No questionnaire. No ifs or buts. He's there. He promises, yes, I will help you. Yes, I will help you. There's a great story in the book of Second Chronicles in chapter 20. There we read that the city of Jerusalem is surrounded by her enemies and King Jehoshaphat is afraid. He is fearful. He is at the end of himself. So he turns to God for help. And his prayer is honest. He says, we are powerless. Before this great multitude that is coming against us, we don't know what to do. Those are pretty big statements to make, aren't they, for us in modern day America where we are resourced and we are powerless, we don't know what to do. But this is the third part, which is the key. But our eyes are upon you. Yeah? 
our eyes are upon God. We are powerless, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And God answers by helping Jehoshaphat and giving Jerusalem a great victory. So when we are fearful, we must admit our fears to God and say, I am powerless. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. And God promises to strengthen you in that time. And then the final I will is, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God promises to hold us up. He promises to keep us steady, to never lose his grip upon us by his righteous right hand and it was interesting as I was thinking about it and again this may not be biblical but please come and share with me afterwards if this doesn't quite sound right to you but it's something that occurred to me that God says I will uphold you with my righteous right hand and his hand is connected to his arm and his arms connected to his body And I believe in part what that is saying to us, that in order to be upheld in the the challenges that life throws throws to us, we need to be connected to the body through his hand. And we don't need to fight this fight alone. We don't need to, to be facing fear alone. He has provided a body for us through his right hand that can strengthen us. One of the greatest tactics of the enemy is to separate us. Yeah, you know, the wolf goes after the sheep that's limping, that's separated from the flock. And, and I would encourage you guys to never give in to the voice that says, stay home today. You've got too much on. You're fighting too many fights on too many fronts. There's a lot going on in your life. You've blown it this week. I wouldn't go to church if I was you and we stay at home. We mustn't forsake gathering together with the brethren to hear the word and to be in fellowship. Because it's in the body that we lean on and that God strengthens us. Does the body strengthen you? Yeah, That's what the body's there for, to strengthen us. To strengthen us. So God says, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Has anyone, um, honestly, we're nearly coming to an end. Um, Has anyone ever heard that, like when um, preachers say, there's 365 fear knots in the Bible. Has anyone ever heard that? Or maybe it's just an English thing. Right, I'll just sit down. (laughs) There goes my next illustration. Right. I'll pretend that you're English. Get your top hat and tails out and all that. Right, okay. So, I've I've heard it said a few times. And I've read it a few times. So I thought, because that came to me naturally. It said, there's 365 fear knots in the Bible. One for every day. And I would have said that if I hadn't have checked it properly. Because I'd have been sharing a heresy with you. And then someone couldn't challenge me afterwards. Because now we can check these things very easily, can't we? Depending on which version you've got, around about 100 fear knots in the scriptures. There's different variations like don't be afraid and things like that. And then in some versions you may get to around 300, but there certainly isn't 365. And I guess the point of all of that is this, is that Jesus says it once, (laughs) and that's good enough for me. Do not fear. And he says that in Matthew 10.31. Do not fear. Do not fear. And you could rehearse that scripture every day of the year if you wanted to. 
do not fear. I believe that our response to fear is often closely aligned to how big our God is. In the book of Job, you may be familiar with, we hear of a discourse between Job and God. Okay? Now, if anyone had reason to be kind of fearful, it would be Job, wouldn't it? You know, he's reading his emails. Dear Job, bad news. Ah! <laughs> right again? I've had a bad year. Do you want to hear what my wife said and my friends? You know, he had all reason to be fearful and it would have been understandable, okay? But now Job has kind of slipped into self-pity, yeah, I think it's safe to say. And he's challenging God, isn't he? And remember, we're talking here about how big our God is. And in chapter 38 of Job, after... Job kind of does his thing. Woe is me. I don't want to open this next email, God. And he's challenging God. God responds to him. And I'll read it out to you what God's response is to him. Job, did you lay the foundations of the earth? Have you ever commanded the morning to appear, Job? It doesn't say the word Job, but I'm just doing it for emphasis. Can you direct the movement of the stars, Job? Just check in. Can you direct the sequence of the seasons? Do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? Can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike exactly as you direct, Job? Can you do these things? And this continues for the next four chapters. (laughs) I'm sure his face is like this. (laughs) As God was just laying out his majesty to Job. And then Job responds, and I no doubt that his voice was trembling. It was very quiet. And he said, Lord... In Job 42, I know you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. And then he goes on in verse 4. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you will answer. And this is the kicker in verse 5. Job says, My ears had heard of you. But now my eyes have seen you. And brothers and sisters, that's at the core of what we're talking about here. When fear comes against us, it reveals to us the size of our God. Does that make sense? Because what happens is that... If we just jump back to that verse where it says, Do not be dismayed... 
for I am your God. What it's saying is, when you're dismayed and you're going around all panicking and trying to work out what happens, God's saying very quickly right after that, for I am your God. Why? Because the dismay and the fear actually has become our God. He's reminding us very quickly, he's saying, don't be dismayed, don't worry, don't go around in circles, being fearful at this thing that's come against you, because watch out, if you're not careful, that'll become a God that's bigger than me in your own mind. And so what's happening with Job here is that God is revealing to him his majesty and his size in order to put into context the things that we are facing today. The God that can direct the seasons, that carve the mountains, that cast the stars in the sky, is saying to you today, I am with you. I'm alongside you. I know what your burdens are. I know what your pain is. I know the fear that grabs your heart. Be not afraid. If it's you and God, everything else is inconsequential. And if the church got hold of that truth, if the church stood on that truth, then... Boy, would this generation be changed for the glory of God. If we got hold of that truth that God is with us, the creator of all things seen and unseen, is with us in this place, alongside us, so we can stand in boldness and go and face whatever comes to us. For Job, it moved from an intellectual understanding you know something that he'd heard and went into his intellect it moved into something that he could see and sense it moved from intellect to revelation and if there's something that we need more than anything is a greater revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ yeah that's at the core here There's a song, isn't there? My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing that he cannot do. That's right. I'm not going to sing it, but... (laughs) Although I'm kind of feeling a little bit... No. Uh... (laughs) We sing it, do we believe it? We sing it, is that an intellectual thing? Because for some of us, it's my understanding that it just needs to drop that six inches and become something that's a revelatory thing. Yeah. Job had a revelation of God, the believer who trusts in this God, the God that overcame sin and death and temptation and rose victorious, the one that calls you and I by name, the one that stated that I will never leave you nor forsake you, the believer who lives a life that rests upon the promises of God, can know strength and boldness in the face of calamity and fear because they know in whom they have believed. The one that says, for I know the plans I have for you. Not to harm you or to hurt you, but to give you hope and the future. Brothers and sisters today, it's there for us. We have a hope that is steadfast and sure. My encouragement to you would be to stand. To stand in that truth. Paul says, having done all, stand in the truth that Jesus is with you. Praise his wonderful name. Amen.